Lagba Omer is the yard site of the Ramah. The Ramah, as is well known among all people who study Torah, is really Rab Moshe Isavis, the author of the Mapal Neshulchan Aruch. He was born approximately 1530. We're not really sure exactly of the date of his birth, but we do know that he passed away on Lag Baomer of 1572. So the oldest he would have been would have been approximately 47, and it could be that he passed away at the age of 42. When I was a child, it was told to me that the Ramah passed away before he was 40. In fact, they used to ask a chida, a certain type of riddle. And they said to me, could you prove from the Ramah in the Shulchan Aruch, the halacha or the minig, whether you're allowed to study Kabbalah before you're 40 years old. There's a well-known tradition that people should not study mysticism, Kabbalah, before the age of 40. They say the Ramah disagreed with that principle. Can I prove it from the Shulchan Aruch? Of course, I had no source in the Shulchan Aruch that said specifically anything about learning Kabbalah before the age of 40. And people told me to look in the first Ramah of the Shulchan Aruch. The first Ramah of the Shulchan Aruch talks about uh, the idea of getting up early in the morning and, and how to prepare yourself for the, for the day. And he quotes a Zohar. So it was told to me that if you see, since the Ramah passed away before he's 40, and he himself quoted the Zohar, so it's a proof that you're allowed to study Kabbalah before the age of 40. Now, while it's true that the Ramah died at a young age, and it's also true that he did study Kabbalah, there's no proof that he started studied Kabbalah at a younger age. The Ramah was certainly involved in studies besides Torah and Halacha. We know that he studied philosophy, astronomy, and history. And when he was attacked by certain people, specifically the Marshal and others, wrote against him, the Ramah said that this is in accordance with the opinion of the Rambam, who studied philosophy, and therefore he went in the, in the ways of the Rambam. In general, the letters between the Marshal and the Ramah are very interesting. The Marshal attacked the Ramah for certain things, the Ramah defended himself, and there existed a large correspondence which was found both in the Chuvas of the Marshal and the Chuvas of the Ramah, and there are very, very interesting things about the attitude toward Hebrew, or the attitude toward, toward the Dikduk, toward the attitude toward philosophy, a lot of interesting discussions between the Marshal and the, and the Ramah. Of course, the main influence of the Ramah is needless to say that Ashkenazi Jews follow the Ramah. In fact, today, Rabbi Vad Yosef likes to quote very often that the Svaidim Paskin, like the Beis Yosef, like the Shulchan Aruch of Yosef Karo, the Svaradi, and in Eretz Yisrael, Rav Yosef Kari is considered the Mayor of the Asri, is considered the Rav of Eretz Yisrael, the Rav of the, post, the head Posek of Eretz Yisrael. And Rav Avadi very often quotes the Pasek, Yosef Hua Shalit Ala Aretz. The, he takes the Pasek, of course, that by Yosef, that he was the uh, Viceroy of Paro in Mitzrayim, he was somehow the ruler of Egypt, so he used that phrase, Yosef Hua Shalit Ala Aretz, to say that Rav Yosef Kairo is the master of the Aretz, master of Eretz Yisrael. On the other hand, Rav Avadya also quotes 
the famous quote, Uvnei Yisrael Yatsim Biyad Ramah. Now, of course, that Pasuk really refers to the fact that Bnei Yisrael went, left Mitzrayim and with a certain type of pride, Biyad Ramah, but the, and of course it's with a hey, but nevertheless, we use the phrase, Bnei Yisrael Yatsim Biyad Ramah, that we Paschim like the Ramah. Bnei Yisrael, the Ashkenazi Jews, follow the customs of the Ramah. The Ramah was born in Krakow, to a rich family. He eventually had his own yeshiva, which he himself supported. He married the daughter of one of the great Tamnichacham of that generation, of Shalom Shachna. But his, unfortunately, his first wife died when she was very young. In her memory, apparently, the Ramah built the Bet Knesset, built the Shul, which is called the Bet Knesset HaRamah. And at one time it was called the Isilis Shul, now it's called the Bet Knesset Ramah. And this shul still exists in Krakow. And today it's a major uh, place where people go to visit and to see, of course the shul still functions when they have a minion, especially on Shabbos, when there are a lot of visitors to Krakow. But adjacent to the Bet Knesset is the cemetery of that area and the Ramah the Ramah's grave is there. And today, one of the places that people go to when they visit Poland is to the to Krakow, and especially to the Betkness of the Ramah, and to the Kedr of, of the Ramah. When I visited there, it made a tremendous impression upon me that I was in the Betkneset, actually where the Ramah davened. And somehow, even though you've learned these Svarim all your life, but the pe- people that you studied and mentioned seem to come much more alive when you visit the shul that they davened at, that they built, when you see even the matseva on their kever, you realize they're real people and not just literary figures. While the Ramah was most famous for writing the, what we call the Mapan Shulchan Aruch, Rabbi Yosef Karo the Sparadi wrote the Shulchan Aruch, which was of course a sefer of halacha based on psakim, and it was tinged with a Sephardi approach of Rabbi Yosef Cairo. Rev. Moshe Isilis, the Ramah, thought that what was really missing here is the Ashkenazi, all the Ashkenazi Minhagim. All the Sephardim of Minhagim that had come down through the generations, like the Maharil and others, were not mentioned by the Beis Yosef. And although the Ramah certainly treated Rabbi Yosef Cairo with utmost respect, and we see letters that he wrote to Rabbi Yosef Cairo at a young age where he really expressed total respect for Rabbi Yosef Cairo. Nevertheless, when he wrote about the Shulchan Aruch, he said, Hashem. He said, this is not the correct approach because the Minhagim of Ashkenaz were not represented. He wrote a Sefer, it, which would seem to be a sort of preparatory sefer to writing the mapa, to write the tablecloth of the Shulchan Aruch. He wrote a sefer called Darchei Moshe on the tour. Maybe at one time he meant to write the sefer independently, but now when we look at it, it seems to be that it's a sort of preparatory work for the for the Ramah. The Ramah called this, his own sefer on Shulchan Aruch the mapa, the tablecloth of the Shulchan Aruch. The Shulchan Aruch had been set. But it's not yet complete until you place the tablecloth over it, which covers the Ashkenazi customs. But I did say that Rabbi Moshe Isidus was famous for many other svarim as well. He wrote, for example, 
the Taras Chatas, which is a sefer of Isra Vahater, a very important sefer in the world of Psak, in the world of Isra Vahater. He wrote a sefer also called Taras Ha'ola, Taras Ola, which is a very deep uh, philosophical, a little bit Kabbalistic work. He also wrote uh, other Svein, notably his chuvas are printed, and of course some of the chuvas are very important in the world of Psak. Some of the well-known uh, theses of the Ramah were specifically he was very insistent upon a heter that he based what he called Hefzid Meruba. When there's a big loss of money involved, so he was inclined to be making. For this, he was strongly attacked by certain people, notably the brother of the of the uh, Maharal of Prague, Reb Chaim, wrote against him and meant, explained many reservations why he does not agree with the whole approach of the Mapa of Reb Yos- of, of Moshe Isilis. The Rama himself somewhat defended this approach, and I will quote a, what he said in one of his svarim, in the introduction to the Teres Chatas, he says, I would like to somehow excuse myself, that the person who studies my Sefer should not unjustly accuse me. Sometimes I permitted something because of the great loss, and I will go on in English, or sometimes if it's in honor of Shabbos, or for poor people, I was uh, lenient. But the reason I was lenient is because in most of these issues, if the idea is a heter gamur, it's completely mutter. According to strict halacha, I could say it's completely mutter. However, since Achronim were Machmir, so I said, well, if, you know, it's possible, okay, you can accept the Chumr of the Achronim. But if it's difficult, then we should establish the halacha as it is, and I've found, I've found precedent in early and later sources to do so. As I said before, this was a bone of contention. Although the concept of Hafsad Merubah certainly anticipated the Ramah, we find it in very early sources. Nevertheless, the reliance on Hefzad Merubah to the extent of the Shulchan Aruch, or extent of the Ramah, was unusual, and therefore there was much opposition to this approach. Another idea of famous in the Ramah, one of his important uh, ideas, was his reliance upon Minik. In a sense, the Homapah came about because of his insistence upon keeping Minhagim. You see, in the Svaidi tradition, the Halacha was passed according to the three great poskim that the Rabbi Yosef Kaira mentioned in the introduction to the Shulchan Aruch, and it was done by Svarim of Halacha, whereas the Minag, as developed through, as I said before, the Mahari Bruna, Maharil, and other Rishonim, was completely ignored. Rabbi Yosef Kaira, as a Svaidi, they ignored and certainly Minagim and certainly Ashkenazi Minagim. Whereas Rabbi Moshe Isserlis felt that these Minagim should be the halacha, and very often we know phrases like Minagoker halacha, but when there's no halacha, we follow the Minag. Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi Moshe Isserlis also wrote 
about his approach to Minagim, and he said that I I very often follow Minagim, and he says, for example, I don't need a, a psak because this is the custom in the Ashkenazi communities and he very often says I do it according to Minik even if that's the Chumra but I'll follow Minagim however it should be noted that although it's well known that Ramah relied, relied extensively on Minagim there are cases where he said Minik is a Minik Tos and once in a while he said, if I had the strength, I would cancel a minute because it's a minute toast. So the uh, concept, of course, of minute toast also is well b- written before the Ramah. The Rebbe Tam already said in the beginning of Bava Basra that the Minagim that you don't have to rely upon. And Rebbe Tam is quoted once as saying that a minute spells the letters Gehenna backwards. There are some Minagim that you don't have to follow. Nevertheless, in general, the Ramah was very insistent upon keeping Minhagim. I once heard a story that I have no source for, but I find rather amusing, that they say that when the Ramah became the Rav of Krakow, he found one night that his wife went to Mikveh, so the Shamish of the Shul came over to him and said to him, Rebbe Mazeltov. And he looked at him and said, what, what Mazeltov? He said, because your wife went to Mikveh. So he said, this is the height of priestess. Where did you ever hear such a thing? That somebody knows when my wife went to mikveh, comes up and wish me mazel tov. So the shami said, this is the minig of Krakow. So the Ramah said to him, cancel that minig, wipe it out, it's silly. A few days later, a man came to the, to the Ramah and said he has a din against the shamish. What's the din What bothered him? He said, my wife went to mikveh and he didn't wish me a mazel tov. So the uh, Ramah called the Shamish with a sort of smile on his face, I, I would guess. And he said to him, why didn't you wish him a Mazel tov? He said, well, first of all, you told me not to. And secondly, his wife did not go to Mikveh. So uh, the Ramah said, uh, apparently, this Minig in Ramah, in the Minig of, of, of Krakow, should be somewhat kept. I see in Krakow there's a need for such a Minig. So when I heard this story, they told me that was one of the reasons that the Ramah... Uh, took Minagim very, very seriously. He said, you never know why this Minig was established and what would be the ramifications of canceling the Minig. I don't have any source for this story whatsoever. It's a story that I heard when I was a child. The Much has been written, of course, about the Ramah in terms of scholarship. One of the people who almost devoted his life of scholarship to the Ramah was a personal friend of my family's, Rabbi Ziv, from New York, who wrote the biography of the Ramah, he published the Svarim of the Ramah, and really did a lot of uh, work about the Ramah, and we can, you know, give examples of Adoda HaChadashah forever of the influence of the Ramah. I would just like to point out one personal Ramah that I quote often, because I find it also very interesting. The uh, Before uh, Purim, especially this year, since Purim was a Purim Meshulash, I discussed the issue of reading the Megillah with a minion. So I said it is preferable to always to read the Megillah with a minion, or if you read the Megillah Shalom is man, or not on the proper time, so then you really have to read with a minion. So, but I have, I mentioned in the Shul, when I give the Shiur, I say, well, I, and I, but I'm not sure, you do need a minion, but I'm not sure if women count for the minion. The people look at me and think, you know, oh, look at him becoming a modern person, they're a little shocked, and then I say, and they, I say, 
to them afterwards, before you accuse me of being a conservative rabbi, I'd like to refer you to the Ramah in Hilchas Megillah, who says that Megillah should, when read, the idea of reading Megillah with a minion, animis tapek, says the Ramah. The Ramah says, I himself, I myself have the doubt whether women would count for the minion of Kriyas Megillah. And certainly the Ramah was not a conservative rabbi. The Ramah, as I said before, B'nai Yisrael Yotzim B'yad Ramah. This is the tradition of the Ramah. This is the Ramah that we follow till this very day.